often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 464. I am your host, Josh Albrecht. Once again, inside the Slapbox penthouse. So far, it's not really living up to the name penthouse. (laughs) Hell, I'm not here even that much. I'm just constantly working to afford the damn penthouse. I haven't gotten a robe yet. I'm not Hugh Hefner in it. I'm not sitting around in a red robe. And uh, it's just me. It's than just me for the few hours a day I'm here. Some days I'm here more, but, you know, I, I do all my shit. I, uh, grocery shop, do laundry, I do really boring shit on Sundays. Ah, uh, but, uh, <laughs> unfor- sadly, uh, I, uh, now I live in Washington, Missouri, a lot closer, well, I don't know about a lot, I live a little bit closer to the, uh, fairgrounds there, where as of last week, was uh, 4th of July, of course. I actually um, live close enough to walk to there, and yet I did not do so uh, for the uh, fireworks. Of course, they had big fireworks, which I feel like I probably should have, but I was just tired, didn't really feel like going anywhere. Uh, So I I neglected to go do the uh, fireworks, and apparently they had quite the grand finale there. As I could, I was close enough to very clearly hear the fireworks. It was, you know, it's maybe a little over a mile. Yeah, I guess it's about a mile and a quarter walk from here. But uh, yeah, I didn't do that on the fourth. I uh, I did do a little something American though. I uh, <laughs> I watched America the Motion Picture on uh, Netflix, and I gotta say, it was it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. It definitely seemed. <laughs> Very historically correct, shall we say, uh, <laughs> uh, in an American way. I feel like the Americans have lo- uh, really learned from the Irish how to, you know, properly keep facts uh, correct in history when retelling stories. Um, it's definitely a very Irish thing, as I, I, I learned from the... Well, I guess even before I went to Ireland, I was aware that the Irish like to, say, fabricate things. Uh, as the great tour guide I had from Galway Tour Company, uh, uh, Laura over there, um, she was an awesome tour guide. She, you know, it t- informed me that the Irish do not let the facts get in the way of a good story, and that is very much America, the motion picture on Netflix, which is fantastic. They've got uh, Channing Tatum is, of course, George Washington, because, of course, that's who... <laughs> That's who I have envisioned. In an Americanized version of a telling of its own history, it seems like Channing Tatum should be number numero uno president right there, George Washington. And in the flick, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, which I recommend doing it. Uh, maybe I don't feel like you have to wait for Force of the July to come back. Just be American every day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it starts out, and of course... Uh, Channing Tatum as George Washington is best friends with Abraham Lincoln because obviously they lived at the same time. (laughs) Uh, And uh, they're like best friends. They grew up together. And uh, (laughs) spoiler alert, uh, 
Abe, who's played by uh, Will Forte, MacGruber, the man, MacGruber. Fucking, oh, I, I wish I could see that show, but I, it's on yet a different streaming service that I'm not, not subscribed to. But anyway, yeah, uh, Abraham Lincoln, this is in the very beginning, so I feel it's like not that big of a spoiler. <laughs> it, uh, he gets assassinated, not by John Wilkes Booth. Apparently that was a lie in the in the, in the history books. It was by <laughs> Benedict Arnold, played by Andy Samberg of Lonely Island, and of course another SNL alum. As uh, then even more uh, historically accurate things happen, like Olivia Munn, the great Olivia Munn. I love Olivia Munn from her uh, days on G Four Attack of the Show. Big fan of that. I used to watch that with Kevin Pereira, but uh, she plays Thomas Edison. <laughs> the inventor of uh, many uh, things. And, uh, yeah, Asian woman is definitely who should play Thomas Edison. She's great, though. I, I, I love it. There's <laughs> and uh, Benedict Arnold somehow uh, kills <laughs> the leader of Britain, played by uh, Simon Pegg there, and uh, then is now in charge of a whole British army as they uh, when the final showdown happens. It's pretty great. They have uh, Geronimo in there as well. I don't remember who plays Geronimo. And then, uh, <laughs> is it Killer Mike, I guess, plays John Henry Irons? Or, uh, John Henry. <laughs> I'm thinking, saying John Henry Irons, because that was a character in Superman. Uh, <laughs> there's there's my, uh, like, uh, Americanized version of history. I, I just know Superman comics. That's, uh. Uh, sadly, I, well, I I know only know a, a sliver of uh, Superman comics around the time the Superman's dead because during the uh, after they killed Superman, Doomsday comes down, kills Superman. Then there was it split off into like four different Supermen, and then it was like who's the real Superman? And of course, there was the John Henry Irons that was uh, would be the Man of Steel because he made himself a steel suit, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there was ever any debate that that was really Superman because he was a big black guy. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember how they they worked the storyline, but there was like a Superboy kind of thing. I guess it was, and the question was, one of these is the real Superman. Which one could it be? And there was one that was like a young young kid. It was like the Superboy or something. I don't remember. And then there was the there was a cyborg version, which I like the cyborg one. And then there was one that was just like a, I don't know how to describe him. I guess he was like the the big alien superhero guy. I don't know. But there was, <laughs> I think he was the one that was actually Superman and had some kind of memory. I don't know, maybe a fugue state, I don't recall. <laughs> As I just digress into my slight knowledge of Superman comics. I was more of an X-Men guy. I, I was Wolverine, schnickety schnickety, you know. I was uh, really enjoyed that. Even after they took his Edmentium, which had some cool storylines, but I was like, "Come on, just give him back the fucking Edmentium. Let's let's make Wolverine crazy strong, you know." Well, I guess he was still strong, but I, you know, I want him to cut through everything. There's something special about that. <laughs> uh, that was a brutal comic, though. If you go back, and I don't recall what uh, comic it was, it was in an Uncanny X-Men, if I remember correctly. Maybe I'm wrong on that where Magneto strips Wolverine of his Edmentium. 
And uh, that's I still have that one. That one's uh, I think eh, maybe I can get like ten bucks out of it. I don't know. It's worth more than I guess some of my other ones. It was a classic, classic stuff though, classic stuff. But uh, yeah, I di- digress yet again. Shocker, right? Um, <laughs> uh, that was my American thing to do though on Fourth uh, of July, as a uh, big thing I did. Is I-, I got sleep. I tried to change my oil in my car, in uh, my British car. <laughs> Uh, as uh, I was, you know, celebrating the fact that America's independence from Britain, I uh, was going to attempt to change the oil in my car, but I did not have the proper socket to uh, remove the oil filter. So I, uh, yeah, did not do that. I got it today, though. So hopefully within the next week, I'll be able to get it done because kind of like way overdue on an oil change. Kind of need to get that done. And, uh, that's a car that when things go bad and it costs a fortune and uh being it is that it is a mini cooper and it's british with a bunch of german parts in it since it's owned by BMW uh Bavarian Motorworks yeah which where I've been right outside the headquarters of actually at the time I didn't have a mini cooper or any BMW to speak of and I I didn't actually go visit the headquarters there apparently i guess they've got like museum and everything in it i did however see a lot of bmws i don't recall seeing any mini coopers there in uh, munich but a lot of beamers a lot of fucking beamers um oh and uh, speaking of watching things way better <laughs> than uh america the motion picture was, of course, the latest episode of Loki. And uh, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, the best part of it, I don't think this is a real big shocker or spoiler, but uh, there's an alligator, and that alligator is fucking awesome. I want a spin-off show of just the alligator. And, uh, well, I guess I will give a bit of spoiler. It's a Loki variant, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how you pull it off, but I can feel like you could you could base a whole show around an alligator. I mean, if Mandalorian can, for the most part, have, you know, Grogu as a main character, why not have just an alligator show? I mean, you're going to have other people as side characters. But I want to learn more about this Loki variant and his universe. Like, what that's... Is Thor also an alligator in this universe? Is he a crocodile? You know, there's a lot of questions there. A lot of questions. <laughs> and but I, I feel I fear that uh if Thor is also a crocodile or alligator of sorts, that the show could be rather boring. It could be a Star Wars holiday special in the making, and that's no good. Cause of course, if you haven't seen that one, it just follows Chewie's family. So for the first like 15, 20 minutes of the fucking thing, all you hear is, arr, 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 and you know, um, <laughs> it's funny as a prank to make that. It's just not, it's just not enjoyable to watch that for long extended periods. Like five minutes would have been, that might have been even like too long just to have like Chewie's family, not a whole feature. I figure, though, if there's a Loki variant with an alligator, because uh, in it, he doesn't really talk. He just sounds like a, makes sounds, I guess, of an alligator. Uh, 
But uh, if he's just the only one that's an alligator, and uh, <laughs> it's sort of almost like Chewbacca in the regular Star Wars movies, that shit's great. You have him, and he's <laughs> although I, you know, Chewbacca's never been a main character. That might be a bit of a problem. <laughs> uh, I figure. I think you could do it though. I think you could do it. And just have other people that are just speaking to this Loki variant as an alligator, like no, like everything's fine. We understand. Well, I I can read the eyes of this alligator, and I understand. I feel him. I empathize with this alligator. Uh, <laughs> good stuff, though. That uh, I am, and um, oh shit, I'm gonna have to do a quick IMDb here. But uh, there, oh. Uh, uh, I am not in a good place to type here. Um, I am DB, Internet Movie Database. Here we go. And um, I was going to say, I am a big fan of of the Loki. I think so far, I really did like WandaVision. I think so far, Loki's been my favorite of the Marvel shows that have been on Disney+. Plus. And so far, I've liked them all. Like, first off, uh, at the beginning of uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I thought maybe early on it was uh, a bit slow. and wasn't quite into it, but then <laughs> but then it gets dark there with uh, the new Captain America and when he, like, ends up uh, killing the feller. And uh, I was like, oh, man, it really took some good turns there at the end. I was pretty excited at the end. But all in all, I I I am uh, I'm really loving this Loki, and I wasn't even sure that I would give a shit about Loki because in the movies I I did not care about Loki, <laughs> and uh, but then again I didn't like uh, I didn't really care for Thor really much until Ragnarok when that fucking came out and it's just like Hemsworth is just you know fucking killing it and Taika Waititi's turning into some other shit. Um, anyway, <laughs> so uh. I am really digging the Loki and the uh, Sylvie character, which is the uh, other Loki variant, which she's, I guess, number two on the call sheet, whereas uh, <coughs> Tom Hiddleston uh, would be number one on the call sheet as he's the main Loki variant, I guess you want to say. Uh, but uh, the woman that plays Sylvie... Uh, Sophie D. Mar- Martino is uh, fantastic, and I gotta say I have a bit of a thing for her. That is like, uh, and I, I, I mean, obviously, the Loki variant of Thomas Hiddleston's characters got a thing for himself too, as he's uh, fallen in love with uh, <laughs> Sylvie, and that's a bit awkward. That is that is a bit awkward for him to be in love with himself as a woman. It's a weird concept. I think though even though I love her and sadly I'm perusing through her IMDb, she doesn't really have I guess she's been in a lot of TV shows. She's I think she's around my age, like maybe 38, 39, something like that. Um but she's done I guess a lot of British television. She was in the Yesterday movie which I did not ever get around to seeing the movie that's uh, based on the guy that or not based on it's <laughs> It's not a uh, based on a true story or anything. It's following a guy that uh, 
guess, wakes up in a world where the Beatles never existed, and he starts uh, taking credit for the Beatles songs, and he starts putting them out. Um, interesting concept for a movie. I, I, I would like to watch that one. Apparently she's in that. I guess that's the biggest thing other than uh, Loki that she's been in, so I uh, find it... Uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking she's gonna. She, I mean, she's really good in Loki. I imagine she's gonna be in a lot more stuff afterwards. And, uh, <clears throat> but yeah. So uh, the point I was getting to is it's a very interesting concept of uh, falling in love with a different variant of yourself. And I don't think I could do that with myself. If I go to the TVA and I'm stuck in there with other variants of myself. Although, I mean, if I look that good and <laughs> have a different personality, I, th- I don't think I could fall in love with my personality. I'm a weird dude. <laughs> Even if I was a... If I had a, a woman of myself, I, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Not feeling it at all. I feel like we would uh, just not match well. But it's, it's a totally interesting concept thing I would just Loki in general I thought WandaVision was really good side note but uh Loki's also fantastic uh and I think <laughs> speaking of going and, and watching a lot of things because I mainly I just watched a lot of YouTube videos uh, I'll try to go like yeah I'm gonna go do this and this and whatever but uh because my phone's always with me I'm always, you know, just a couple of swipes with my finger away from YouTube and a YouTube video. I find myself just watching a lot of YouTube videos, mainly on my phone. And YouTube's algorithm, I'm afraid, <laughs> might be trying to make me into a serial killer. I'd, I'm pretty, like, 99.99999999% sure that that will never happen. But I feel like, or, you know, me becoming a serial killer. But it seems that YouTube wants to make me into one. As uh, though I am interested in, like, true crime. Just, like, hearing about it and stuff. It's fascinating stuff. But YouTube. (laughs) Everything in my feed right now has become all about serial killers. And then, so, you know, I'm like. Uh, I, I just go off the feed most of the time. I don't actually like ser- search videos out a whole lot. So if that's what I'm getting suggested, I'm going to be watching a lot of the stuff. And I've been watching some shit on some serial killers. Uh, still, I've not yet uh, felt like actually hurting someone. So I, f- I think I'm safe at the moment. But it really seems like YouTube's trying to churn out. Ser- it's doing some MK Ultra type shit, you know, when... Uh, I guess it was the what, 50s or 60s whenever the CIA turned the uh, insane asylum into a <laughs> Manchurian candidate, I guess, uh, staging ground, like testing ground, where they were feeding people acid and then tried to do some brainwashing and stuff, or I guess a, a, achieved some brainwashing. Um, <laughs> uh, classic experiments. I feel like you, almost YouTube's trying to trying to do that and I've seen a lot of videos uh, lately of YouTubers that ended up killing people I still have yet to see any like uh, oh (laughs) Uh, yeah I don't feel like I have anything really in common with these people so again safe don't worry (laughs) not hurting anybody but damn YouTube what is with this algorithm man 
But then again, I, I end up watching the fucking videos. Uh, I've seen some uh, interesting ones lately because I uh, thought I knew about most of the uh, big time serial killers. And there was un- uh, this one in Peru that, well, I guess Peru was one of the places. I don't think he's originally from Peru. Um, they call him the monster of the Andes and he is actually still at large. They caught him several times. Uh, check this out. Oh, there's a movie about him. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Pedro Lopez is the guy's name. He's from uh, Colombia, uh, initially, but I know he went to several countries in, um, South America and has thought to, oh, he'd be 72 right now. If he's still alive, there's no way of knowing, I guess, if he's alive still, if they can't find him. Um, but, uh, he was, let's see, I'll read his Wikipedia page. This guy just fucked up. Um, Pedro Alonso Lopez. He was born in 1948, right after World War II. Um, he's a Colombian serial killer and child killer who was sentenced for killing 110 girls, but who claimed to have raped and killed more than 300 girls across Colombia, Peru, and Ecuador. Aside from unsighted local accounts, Lopez's crimes first received international attention from an interview conducted by Ron Leitner, a longtime freelance journalist, photojournalist who reported interviewing Lopez in his Ambato prison cell in 1980. Leitner's interviews were widely published, first in the Chicago Tribune on Sunday, July 13, 1980, then in the Toronto Sun and the Sacramento Bee on uh, July 21st of 80, and then over the years in many other North American papers, foreign publications. Okay, yeah, I get it, yeah. Talking about the interviews. We don't need to go through all of that. Uh, let's talk about, okay, his early life. Uh, Lopez's mother's name was Benilda Lopez de Castaneda. Uh, according to Lopez, witnesses, uh, witnessing acts of prostitution while growing up had disturbing effects on his psyche, which uh, apparently a lot of serial killers uh, the mothers were prostitutes, so that would count me out. My mom was not a lady of the night. Um, she was a telemarketer, though, <laughs> briefly. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna make me a murderer. I never, uh, again, I never killed any animals or tortured them. I really like love animals a lot, so it seems unlikely that I would ever go down this road. <laughs> Back to. Lopez here. Uh, subsequently, his mother caught him fonding, fondling his younger sister in 1957 when he was eight years old and evicted him from the family home. Pedro, who was reportedly the seventh child among 13 siblings, was polite as a boy and wanted to be a teacher, according to his mother. Following this, uh, the eight-year-old Pedro Lopez had fled to Bogota, which I believe is where uh, Pablo Escobar is originally from. Uh, anywho, um, well, well, I know that some some shit happened in Bogota. That's uh, 
Colombia's capital city, of course, is where uh, Bogota. Uh, soon afterwards, he, oh no, sorry, uh, maybe Bogota. He's not from Bogota anyway. Uh, Pedro Lopez is though. The soon afterwards, or he fled to Bogota anyway. <laughs> He had been abducted. Uh, he had said he had been abducted by a man and raped at age twelve. Pedro was taken in by the U.S. a U.S. expatriate family, enrolled in a school for orphans. He ran away after two years, according to one account, because he'd been molested by a male teacher. Other sources claim that he ran away with the teacher. By the age of eighteen, Lopez was making a living by stealing cars and selling them to local chop shops. So, I mean, he seemed destined for just a life of crime. But uh, Lopez claimed that during his incarceration for car theft, he was brutally gang-raped, and that subsequently, while he was still in prison, uh, he hunted down the most brutal of his rapists and killed them. He said that after being released from prison, he moved to Peru and started murdering young girls. Lopez Lopez claimed that by 1978, he had killed over 100 girls, before being caught and captured by members of an indigenous tribe. These captors were preparing to execute him when a Christian missionary from the U.S. intervened and persuaded them to hand him over to state police. However, the police had quickly released him, uh, so obviously they should have killed the fucker. Uh, Lopez said that he had subsequently returned to Colombia and later moved to Ecuador during this period. He claimed he had killed about three girls a week. Lopez said, I like the girls in Ecuador. They're more gentle and trusting, more innocent. And then he was arrested uh, when when an attempted abduction failed and he was trapped by market traders. The Associated Press reported that he was arrested in March of 1980 and that he confessed to killing 103 girls, including 53 whose bodies had been found. In January of 81... He was convicted of three murders and had confessed to 300 sexual assaults and stranglings. The police only believed his confessions when a flash flood uncovered a mass grave containing many of his victims. And then, according to the BBC, Lopez was arrested in 1980 but was freed by the government of Ecuador uh, at the end of 1998. In an interview from his prison cell, Lopez described himself as the man of the century, and said he was being released for good behavior. An A&E biography uh, documentary reported that he was released from an Ecuadorian prison on 30, the 31st of August of 94, then rearrested as an illegal immigrant and handed over to Colombian authorities who charged him with a 20-year-old murder. He was declared insane and held in the psych- psychiatric wing of Bogota Hospital in 98 he was declared sane and released on $50 bail. Subject to certain conditions, he later absconded. The same documentary uh, says that Interpol released an advisory for his rearrest by Colombian authorities over a fresh murder in 2002, and he is currently wanted by the police. His whereabouts are unknown as of 2021. I'm going to guess by his age, though, and they haven't had anything like pop up. Since then, I'm going to venture to... I'm going to call it he's probably fucking dead. Unfortunately, that uh, he uh, was released several times, man. Like, you got a guy that you know uh, has killed at least dozens. I mean, he claims to have killed 300 or whatever the fuck it is. 
He confessed, oh, I guess, to 350. Convicted of killing 110. And it's not like it was part of a war thing. He wasn't a, he wasn't a good German. He wasn't a, in charge of some kind of prison camp or anything like that. This was just shit. Like, I was seeing videos talking about his crimes, and it was mainly like little girls the fucker would go and capture him. It was really fucked up. But, uh, yeah, this is the kind of shit that uh, YouTube has been, like, throwing right at me. Uh, they've One thing, though, they've been showing me a lot of the infographic shows. If you uh, watch on YouTube, there's the infographics uh, YouTube page. And uh, they have a lot of animations to stuff. And so it's not, you know, at least I'm not seeing, like, the actual murders and stuff when they're talking about a lot of these people. It's almost cartoonish-like, which almost makes it... Uh, <laughs> More palatable, I guess, to normal people. It's like a, like the gateway drug into watching the real horrible shit. Um, it's not like watching the Pain Olympics, if you've ever watched that, which I wouldn't recommend, even though I hear it's actually fake. Uh, there is a guy chopping, I guess multiple guys chopping off their dicks. I don't know, I haven't seen it in a long time. But I, I have heard it's fake. And it looked f- rather real. <laughs> um wouldn't yeah don't go down that rabbit hole that is a vicious horrible rabbit hole <laughs> uh I was trying to think if there's other interesting I mean I've seen a lot of they're going into World War II history a lot too in my uh my feed but that uh, I mean I've gone on deep dives through like all of World War II history there's just something about that time period that's just very interesting I mean I've always loved uh I think it goes back to again the Indiana Jones my love for for the Indiana Jones films and just the character and just the the attire they're wearing the fedora and uh the cars and everything there's uh just the style of everything the look not not so much the mass killing and the genocide although the, it intrigues me and i i've looked into a, a lot of the stuff but it's just uh the the whole the whole thing's always fascinating to me Big fan of of that uh, time period in history. As uh, I used to be into like Egyptian, ancient Egypt, and all of that, but uh, I haven't really gotten to that in many years. I think <laughs> I think with the World War Two stuff, it was probably the History Channel too that really dug it in because those were like the best uh, shows on the History Channel whenever I used to watch it. I haven't had the History Channel in over a decade now, so I couldn't tell you what it's like now. I believe it's a lot of reality shows now, because that's history, right? Um, But whenever I used to watch it, there was uh, a lot of stuff on the Nazis, and you'd hear the music, and you'd go, ooh, there's stuff about World War II. Because, of course, most of their stuff, too, just involves the Nazis. But there's just so much going on in World War II that you don't... Just focusing on the Nazis is is not the greatest. You know, you need... There's so much more you could go into depth on. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, the History Channel had a lot of that. So I found myself watching it a lot. Uh, well, there was something else that I was watching on... Uh, on Netflix. Or I, oh, yeah, there was a... I finally got around to watching a little bit of the, uh, oh, damn. <laughs> I don't even remember what it, Robot. Uh, shit. Robots. 
uh, death, uh, shit, death and robots, death and <laughs> death plus robots. What the fuck is the name of the damn thing that, uh, I don't even remember. I am going to totally, uh, uh, there, oh, love death plus robots. That's what it is. There's, I've seen the first episode. That was pretty entertaining. That was, uh, that was cool stuff. There was the cleaning robot that just goes crazy nuts and tries to kill the woman that, that owns it. And then that led into the Resident Evil, uh, after watching that, uh, Resident Evil show on Netflix that just popped up. It's like Infinite Darkness or something like that. But, uh, that was all right. I feel like there's only like four episodes, I think, at the most on the uh, Resident Evil show. And it was, I guess, it's a storyline that goes right in with the game. I feel like they didn't, uh, it has nothing to do with, of course, the Mila Jovovich uh, movie franchise, which I was not keen like the first one I enjoyed watching, but it had really very little bits of the, like the storyline to the game. There was the umbrella, the T-Virus, of course. But they changed a lot of stuff. It didn't have quite the feel the, the game did, so I was never that fond of the movie franchise. But at least the with this show, uh, it very much is just uh, more of a story that are really involved with the game following uh, Leon, of course, who is got his uh, start in the Resident Evil franchise in Resident Evil 2 on the uh, original PlayStation is what I believe uh, that came out on, yeah. Um, and they, of course, have the, the remake that was, I don't know, a couple of years ago now, Resident Evil 2 remake that's really good. And then uh, Claire Redfield is uh, also in it, who's also in Resident Evil 2. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> It did feel like, like it was just a cut scenes to the game because like it, it when you go into it, uh, it's very much they could have easily put some gameplay in the middle of these <laughs> action scenes, and uh, the, there was very much a boss fight at the end with Leon, of course, you know doing what Leon does best, taking shit down, and then uh, not really helping out Claire in the end. He did he kind of. He wasn't so great to her in the end. Uh, or great, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to feel about Leon in the end. Uh, but the, sh- the show's all right. It's not... Uh, I feel like it could have been more. And the CG, surprisingly, at times it looked really good. But at times, like, I don't know. It just seems like they're... I, maybe they just didn't have that big of a budget. Uh, I was hoping for more. I don't know if maybe the uh, pandemic... Made it to where they had less episodes or something. Maybe there's going to be more. I'm quite curious about that. Is uh, I am a fan of the Resident Evil franchise, even though I haven't played Resident Evil Seven or The Village. As uh, I would like to, I'm just kind of waiting for it to be free on the PlayStation Network. <laughs> uh, there is a uh, shit. Now I gotta find what the hell. Oh no. I can't type that uh infinite darkness. Let's see, is there going to be a season two? I would imagine there's probably going to be. 
Um, Den of Geek here has got a, uh, article on it two days ago. Uh, it says basically, will it happen? Um, <clears throat> is it setting up season two? Of course it's always set up season two. Here it says, uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's no surprise here. Fans are already wondering about season two, despite the fact that Infinite Darkness has a definitive beginning, middle, and end, which, with not much left hanging by the time the credits roll on episode four, is just enough to set up in the finale to kind of justify a second season of the show. After all is said and done, and a plan to ignite biological warfare between the U.S. and China is thwarted by the heroes. Infinite Darkness drops one major clue that the show's big bad isn't the only truly pulling, or on truly pulling the strings. It's actually a pharmaceutical corporation called Tricell, which I believe is in the games. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, it's because Tricell is one of the evil corporations that continue to experiment with bioorganic weapons, creating new versions of the progenitor virus after the fall of Umbrella. Yeah, okay, it's in the games. In fact, Excella. Jeon, the leader of Tricell, is one of the main villains of Resident Evil 5, teaming up with Albert Wesker to unleash the Uroboros virus in Kijuju, I guess is how you... We'll say that's how it is. Um, but is there an announce? Uh, yeah, so I guess they haven't announced a season two on that, but uh, I guess it depends on how well it does. I mean, it just came out the other day, so I don't know that... Uh, They'll get another one. I know with the Castlevania series that did just uh, wrap up that apparently that specific series is over, but I believe they are supposed to, if I remember correctly, I believe they are going to be doing like spinoff shows, but we don't know exactly what those will be at the moment. It could be in the past or in the way in the future of that show, so you could get different Belmonts, maybe like a Simon Belmont from uh, the original NES games or some other incarnation, maybe somebody we haven't seen. I would imagine they probably use people that were already in Castlevania. But there's lots of storylines they could go through there with that one. So that's that's good. Good stuff. Uh, so, uh, <coughs> oh, I was thinking... <laughs> I don't know what is my problem here with this, but I've always wondered after, I guess first watching Walking Dead, and I never really thought this about any other like zombie movie because I've seen so many zombie movies uh, through my life as, of course, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. So I was born into just the explosion, if you will, of uh, zombie movies, which I guess maybe late 70s is when they first start kind of popping up. But, I mean, we got a lot of them in the 80s. And then, of course, when Walking Dead came out, that that was a little bit different for me because uh, in the movies you just get a very brief glimpse of what a zombie apocalypse would be like where it's pretty much always in the movies – it's the beginning of a zombie apocalypse. People haven't been living with it for, you know, a decade or more. So you just get to see people's initial reaction, whereas Walking Dead is the interesting part about it. I wish it was more horror-based and more just a horror vibe. I feel it's more of a soap opera vibe at this point. Um, 
And but uh, I always thought with The Walking Dead, which I brought up many a times in the past, that uh, somebody's going to be making a fucking zombie brothel at one point. And uh, I th- I thought maybe in <laughs> well Negan was fucked up. Maybe Negan's not quite that fucked up. I could probably see more of the governor had he lived that he might have because uh, he had like the zombie heads and jars and or, uh, fish tanks and shit. I could have seen him just having zombie brothel, uh, you know, take their teeth out and stuff and have maybe a fucking zombie glory hole. <laughs> Which is a kind of a fucked up th- uh, thing to think about, but it like uh, it seems like if you really <laughs> fuck people, you know, some shocking stuff like that would be something I think would people would be like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> there's a goddamn zombie brothel. There's there's just not much more you could do. I mean, I guess there's more things you could su- surprise people with in a in that sort of scenario now, but like that seems definitely something that I thought was like maybe they're holding on to that one. They're like, this is gonna be perhaps in the finale of The Walking Dead, you're going to see uh, some big bad that has started a fucking zombie brothel. Ooh, man, it could be really fucked up, too. Like, they could go real batshit crazy with it. Like, there's, you know, whoever this new Negan, he, who's going to be way over the top, they could be re- they could do some real fucked up shit, like, uh, basically, like, you know, when uh, Negan, like, kidnaps everybody... Uh, and is like watches you know murders people in front of them. They could basically do that and purposely let the you know their loved ones, whoever's loved one, turn into a fucking zombie, and then force them to like take part in in the zombie brothel and have that you know their loved ones in the zombie brothel. That could be some real fucked up shit. That seems a bit too dark for a television show. Even if it is like AMC, that that might be a little bit too dark. Uh, <laughs> but that would be one f- one really fucked up thing, and then just like forced to fuck a zombie. We, maybe not even a zombie brothel. They're just like forcing people to fuck zombies, and which I you know I don't know how you if they can't get hard, it'd be hard to fuck a zombie. But there's definitely I mean they could do some really fucked up weird shit with that. I'm surprised necrophilia just hasn't been touched in in the show at all because I feel like there's probably necrophiliacs in the zombie apocalypse and there's probably more of a kink when there's a lot of, I, <laughs> I it, you know I think if the zombie the apocalypse if it starts tomorrow I don't think I'm going to be going to zombie brothel at least not right away you know I don't want to be the first guy in line uh <laughs> That seems that seems way too risky. I, uh, I you know I don't even like having sex with normal people a lot. It's that seems too risky. As having sex with zombies seems even more risky. There's a you know what? Now I'm thinking about the, you know, the hand sounds like a better option. A better option than uh, fucking a an inanim or uh, animated corpse, as it were. But uh, that's just not <laughs> seems real risky. But I would imagine in real life that's gonna that would be a possibility. That there's going to be some deeply disturbed people once laws go completely out the fucking window and uh, we become like Mad Max type shit is going on. We got the Thunderdome. People are fucking fighting. Because I, I would imagine, too, there would be like a Roman Coliseum set up where people are, of course, fighting zombies, which we've seen that in plenty of movies. 
where they have sort of shit like that. There was a little bit of that in The Walking Dead with the governor having people fight. Somewhat uh, gladiator style. Like, I definitely see that being... Because people are going to need entertainment. And they're going to have fucked up ways to do that. Um, You know, I... (laughs) And, uh, I I was just thinking, man. Like, what else fucked up things could people do with zombies? I mean, there's... I'm sure people would find ways to utilize zombies. I mean, they seem to, like, never die unless they get their head decapitated. That's the only thing that really takes them out is a blow to the fucking brain. He seems... I'm curious what the average lifespan of a fucking zombie is because you'd think eventually these things would fucking just completely stop running. They would They would die. I mean, they are still a sort of living thing. Even if the mind is dead... Inside, they have no, uh, let's see, lifespan of a zombie. I guess it depends on what fucking, uh, hmm. This is livescience.com's uh, got an article on it, but I feel like they're figuring out, uh, because they're saying like 20 days. <laughs> this is, uh, I, man, it just doesn't seem, yeah, like, they would still have to eat and drink, you know? They'd have to keep fluids. Keep the, your body, regardless if your brain works or not, uh, completely works, that is. You'd still need, uh, yeah, okay, this is the Life Science article written by Stephanie Pappas. Uh, in 2017, she wrote this. Zombies would wipe out humans in less than 100 days. Well, that's... <laughs> hey, come on. I feel like <laughs> we'd find a way. <laughs> There'd be a couple of us left. Uh, <clears throat> says here, the zombie apocalypse won't take long. A new article in peer-reviewed student journal finds that the zombie hordes would take Earth's population down to a mere 273 survivors in 100 days. Um, There's a lot of people on Earth. Uh, That would... That'd be a crazy fucking 100 days. The paper published in the University of uh, Leicester's uh, Journal of Physics Special Topics was a fanciful use of the so-called SIR model, which is used in uh, epidemiology to simulate how diseases spread over time. It's not the first time zombies have been used as a public health metaphor. Uh, December 2015, for example. Yeah, I don't need all this shit. Um, Just tell me about the... See, yeah, it says uh, the researchers further estimated that each zombie could live 20 days without brains. Oh, so with more, they could live longer as long as they get brains. Um, assuming a starting population of 7.5 billion people, approximately the world's population today, the students calculated it would take 20 days for a single zombie to start an epidemic of noticeable proportions. At that point, the pandemic would have begun, assuming no geographic isolation. In fact, the human population would drop to 181 by day 100 of the epidemic, with 190 million zombies roaming around. Uh, With some geographical isolation, the situation would be a tiny bit better for humans, assuming the zombie virus had to spread through contiguous or contiguous <laughs> regions in the that zombies 
Uh, yeah, I probably fucked that up. Uh, zombies were somewhat limited in their ability to travel, not leaving their current region until there were 100,000 zombies roaming there. Human survivors would number two, 273 by day 100. Uh, the study found a more realistic model might assume that each zombie could find fewer human victims over time, the students wrote, because there would simply be fewer humans to find. Uh, we have also not included the possibility for the humans to kill the zombies, which that's a big thing. That's a big thing. But never fear, in that follow-up paper, the students did just that. They extended the zombie lifespan to one year in order to up the challenge a bit, but also gave each human a 10% chance of killing a zombie each day. They also accounted for human reproduction, assuming reproductive age would be able to have a baby once every three years. These assumptions provided some hope for humanity under this model. The human population rapidly dropped off to a few hundred again. However, the zombies died off after 1,000 days. Under this model, 10,000 days after the beginning of the epidemic, the human population would start to recover again, the students found. But I guess that would be assuming that the virus would be wiped out. Because you would think it would be a virus uh, that would have started it. So, I, you know. I'm not surprised that a lot of people have done <laughs> thoughts on this. Uh, the Walking Dead. Let's see what the that finds. Somebody's got to have. I don't know if Kirkman ever. Uh, <clears throat> do do do. Here's a thing on Cura.com. Why do zombies not die on their own in The Walking Dead? How long does it take uh, walkers to starve to death? So you think that would fucking happen. Um, as others have noted, this is, uh, Wendy Taylor puts, uh, uh, buh, buh, buh. as others have noted, the Walking Dead zombies, walkers are already dead in most pop culture zombie stories. That's what they are, reanimated corpses. In this particular case, dead bodies are reanimated by a virus called wildfire that was identified by the CDC, but they, oh, this isn't, Damn it. There's not... Do they call it? Shit. Was that a virus that started it again? Um, okay, yeah. Dead bodies can be reanimated by a virus called wildfire that was identified by the CDC, but they were unable, as far as we know, to do anything about it. What we've learned from the show is that everyone carries the virus and that everyone will reanimate after they die unless their brain is destroyed. <clears throat> now onto the question of walkers and whether they can die again. I address this with show zombie logic. It's clear that the bodies decompose despite continuing to function, but I attribute that to the virus. The virus makes certain portions of the brain continue to work and drives the walkers to seek sustenance, but it does not nourish the body. So long as the brain is intact and infected, the walker will continue to try to eat people. We saw this in season one with the top half walker that Rick saw. However, that while that's happening, the body will continue to de de decompose, perhaps more slowly than normal, but it will continue. Eventually, there will not be enough of the body to continue moving, probably, but until the brain decomposes, whatever is left will make the effort. Approximately three years, as I recall, have passed in The Walking Dead's world, so we... Oh, this is an old... <laughs> so we know it takes more than three years for the bodies to decompose to the point of immobility. Maybe six? Who knows? Uh, to do. 
I somebody had to have figured they had to have thought this through, right? Of how uh, how long it it fucking takes. Uh, uh, do see this guy T. Francis Sharp, who lives in St. Louis. He lives. Uh, maybe I've ran into him. Uh, zombies are like religion. Best not to question the mechanics too much. In Walking Dead and most zombie stories, it's just given that zombies defy all laws of nature and can continue to operate until their bodies and muscle tissue are shredded beyond use. Starvation is not an option, I'd say, 10 years or so. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh, this uh, Connor Pratt answered with, well, this is what Google says about human bodies. 8 to 12 years. Originally answered, how long does your body take to decompose? It really depends on the cause of the death. Typically six feet down without a coffin in ordinary soil, eight to 12 years to completely decompose into a skeleton. In theory, nearly all zombies in The Walking Dead should be gone in 14 years after the outbreak. But depending on science, location, and how the virus works, it could be longer or shorter. Also, zombies don't actually eat. Sure, they rip flesh off of people, but they don't eat. it. It's as eating is a process used to gain energy, but zombies don't need energy. Which, like, doesn't... How does something continue to... To live? Like, even if... Like, yeah. I mean, it's not a real thing. So, <laughs> I'm definitely diving... Putting way too much thought into this. As, uh... <laughs> I, you know, I think a lot about things that... Probably, you know, I don't need to think about. I, I should have put more thought into things like Einstein when he was at the patent office thinking about the theory of relativity and uh, how to split the atom and such. Uh, but no, no, I think about, like, how well, how long could a zombie live? And how long into a zombie apocalypse before some crazy motherfucker starts a zombie brothel? I'm going to say it's probably about five five years. Which I might be, I figure probably even a year in a zombie apocalypse is a lot. There's a lot of shit's going to go down just the first year. But I figure it's going to take a couple of years before, like, the real crazy motherfuckers start running the show and uh, start doing fucked up shit, you know. Like, you're going to have, like, a Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now at the end where he's, uh, Martin Sheen finally finds him. And he's crazy as shit, you know. Brando in Apocalypse Now, he definitely would have started a zombie apocalypse. Hell, he might have in, in Apocalypse Now. They may have just cut that scene. Uh, the whore. The whore. I haven't watched that movie forever. It's so good. So, so classically good. Uh, I tried to get into Black Summer, the zombie show. I've watched like one or uh, maybe two episodes the most but it's very much the zombies are like the uh, World War Z zombies they run and stuff and I have a harder time believing in that because if the brain's dead and it's just like (laughs) I wouldn't think a zombie would be able to run for long you know if they're not able to like eat and sustain themselves which I guess maybe in this scenario then they are able to eat and then maybe you know refill and you know uh, all that good stuff to keep themselves going that perhaps <laughs> they could uh, run for, for bits of period of time. Fresh zombies, maybe I could understand being able to run. 
but one that's been dead for even like a week you imagine isn't going to have enough energy left in their their muscles to be able to do a super fast 5k you know <laughs> it seems unlikely but this show like they're all about the i guess I'm a zombie traditionalist i want to see them just go real slow and uh just want the brains I, I'm I'm old school, you know. I'm, I'm old romantic. I, I hold on to the romantic visions of one George Romero <laughs> and uh, Dawn of the Dead and such. This is classic stuff. I really did like that remake with Ving Rhames. That was just and they hear the sniper on the on the roof of the uh, mall, and he's like picking out people that look like celebrities, and like they're calling out like Burt Reynolds and. Uh, Taking him out. Oh, good stuff. The original was good too, and then of course uh, Tom Savini, the legend, fucking legend. That guy. That guy's been involved in so many good like horror movies throughout the days. Friday the Thirteenth series. I mean, he was on the original Friday the Thirteenth and did the makeup on uh, the uh, Jason Voorhees kid coming out of the lake. That's good stuff. And he of course did the uh, arrow through the neck on Kevin Bacon. But uh, he's, I think, in his 80s now. But he's He uh, definitely pioneered a lot of the effects in movies. The uh, practical effects, not the CG, of course. But, uh, he was apparently, I believe he was in Vietnam, and he'd seen a lot of uh, corpses and stuff in general, so he knew exactly how, you know, shit should look. And when he went in there, I mean, he went for realistic stuff. So when you're seeing like murders and stuff, like he's getting he he did a lot to really perfect the effects in those movies. And of course, he's Sex Machine in From Dusk Till Dawn, which is a classic. And he's got the revolver for a cock <laughs> in that film. Sex Machine, classic, classic shit. Oh, I was I did see a thing, uh, which I think. I don't remember if this was in the documentary or not, but there's a uh, great documentary I talked about it, I don't know, six months ago, a year ago. I wonder, remember when it was. Uh, there's a documentary on uh, Danny Trejo, the legend Danny Trejo. Uh, but I don't recall this being the documentary. He recently told in an interview, in a I guess a written interview, that uh, he had done some time with Charlie Manson before the uh, Tate and LaBianca murders. And apparently, uh, <laughs> which uh, Danny Trejo, uh, most of his uh, prison time was related to drugs. He had gotten to drugs at a very early age. And uh, I don't know what charges Manson was on when he was current in that time period, but this would have been, I guess, sometime in the 60s. And uh, <laughs> But apparently Trejo had said... Uh, Oh, shit, I got to pull it up. Danny Trejo and uh, Charlie Manson. It's, uh, Trejo is a really good uh, boxer. He had uh, That's kind of like had he not gotten into boxing, I don't think he would have made it to acting from what I understand. Uh, <clears throat> let's see here. Go to BuzzFeed. Let's see what BuzzFeed has to say about it. Charlie Manson once hypnotized Danny Trejo while they were in jail together, and the story is pretty chilling. I don't know about chilling. Uh, 
Yeah, in his own words, apparently he said, if that white boy wasn't a career criminal, he could have been a professional hypnotist. Uh, do-do-do. <laughs> Disclaimer, this post mentions drug addiction and graphic drug use create or ide- ideation. Uh, do-do-do, then it's got a big picture of Danny Trejo. Well, machete. Um... Yeah, we don't need that. It's kind of a tells you who Danny Trejo is. Let's see here. Because uh, in the 60s, Trejo was uh, in and out of prisons like San Quentin, Folsom, and Soledad. Uh, he, of course, trained as a boxer while he served time in San Quentin, uh, He's which he's got a new memoir out. Just, I believe it's just called Trejo. Uh, yeah, in his new memoir, Trejo... Danny talks about the time he met Charlie Manson in jail and got hypnotized by him, which he just was on Mark Maron's podcast, which I haven't heard yet. I need to, uh, it might be a while before I get to that one. I'm way behind on my WTF. Uh, but I would imagine he probably talks about it on there. So, um, <laughs> Back in 61, when Danny was only 17, he was arrested and brought to the L.A. County Jail, where Manson was also being held. Uh, Danny recalled he was so poor he didn't have a belt and instead used a piece of string to keep up his pants. That is uh, being Charlie Manson. Uh, I felt sorry for him. It was clear the only shower... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do I started to go for the Trejo accent. Let's not do that. The only shower the man was ever going to have was the one he was going to get in jail. He continued, when we first met him, it was before all that Manson family stuff, okay? He was like a five-foot... Uh, slick little wimp. He wasn't a bully, wasn't a thug, but he had the jargon of prison and jail. Uh, Danny shared that in exchange for protection, Manson told his jailmates that he would take them through a guided meditation that would get them high without actually using any drugs. So they sat down, closed their eyes, and the meditation began for 15 minutes in great detail. He walked us through the process of copping the dope, finding a place to fix, cooking the heroin in a spoon, drawing it into a needle, and sticking it in our veins. Uh, even before I fake fixed, I could taste it in my mouth. Any junkie knows what it, that is like. By the time he described it hitting my bloodstream, I felt the warmth uh, flowing through my body. Uh, Danny, who's been sober since 1969, ended with, if that white boy wasn't a career criminal, he could have been a professional hypnotist. <laughs> That's I found that very interesting. That uh, Machete was hypnotized by Charlie Manson. That was a, <laughs> that's an interesting thing to think of. Man, that had to be like nuts for him once like the murders happened. Like ho- holy shit, man! I <laughs> I uh, he gave me some hypnotic drugs uh, in my mind. He uh, had me doing heroin in my mind. <laughs> would have been very surreal, I guess. But I guess he probably, I don't know if it would have been that surreal for him because I'm sure a lot of the people he met in prison ended up doing horrible fucking things as he was in fucking Folsom and San Quentin. You know, the uh, federal pen. Uh, Folsom's quite known for uh, having, you know, some uh, dangerous characters, shall we say. So uh, I guess when I think about it, Maybe not so surreal, but uh, to him it was probably just another guy that he was in jail with. And uh, 
don't know. I would love to meet Danny Trejo, though. That guy's got some fucking stories. He's lived quite the life. My favorite part about that documentary is him talking about uh, right before he went to prison at one point, he had a lot of or several guns and stuff that he was trying to hide, and he had a grenade, which apparently he would use the grenade to go rob places. Like he would just go in and <laughs> I, th- I don't remember if he said he would pull the pin and just like hold the handle down. <laughs> and he said like the grenade worked like magic. Those motherfuckers, you know, people would just like give him money like immediately. But he uh, buried the grenade and I think a few other uh, maybe assault rifles. I don't remember what he had, but he at least had a grenade that he buried in his uh, parents' yard. I believe it was something along the lines. He was telling his mom, yeah, yeah don't go over by this area. <laughs> Got a fucking grenade in your yard. Holy shit. Uh, but uh, but yeah. Um, I th- I think I'm good here. As I, I think I think I've got the whole zombie stuff out of my brain for now. Now I can just like chill out and become a zombie myself. As I probably just watch some Netflix and maybe I'll go get some Angry Orchard and uh, get hopefully get some sleep tonight. As uh, I I might go run on the Katy Trail tomorrow, but the storms are supposed to be out tomorrow. There's going to be some thunderstorms, so it may not be such a hot idea. I might just chill at home and perhaps change my oil or or not. You know, we'll see. <laughs> uh, as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.